Welcome to episode number 106, Broken. I am your host, Damon Soka. Just a quick reminder to pass this podcast along to a couple of people you know. Have you ever felt broken? Like no matter what you do, something is missing or just isn't right in your life? Does your brain not work the same way as others? Do you feel out of place, out of sync, or just out? Of course you have. Every one of us who has suffered with mental illness has felt this out-of-sync and lost feeling. Now, on the other side of the coin, have you ever felt normal? I know, strange question. What do you mean normal? I suppose that's the real question. What is normal? What is broken? And what lies in that space between them? If I asked 100 people what normal feels like, I would think that I might get more than 100 answers. If I ask the same ten, same people 10 years apart, or even 5 years apart, I would think that their answer would change again. The first thing anyone learns about normal is that it changes regularly, based on your upbringing, parental training, peers and the pressure they push upon you, societal change, adjustments in church policy, and a host of other outside influences. The second thing that you learn about normal is that it is a very personal thing because we can only really feel our own emotions and we truly cannot fully understand what others are thinking and feeling. Normal is going to be something we define personally. Sure, society, peers, the church, and a host of other influences are going to tell you what normal might be, but in the end, it is between you and the Lord to define The same is true for broken as an emotion or feeling. It is going to be very personal to you. Normal is such a strange word. Like most words in the English language, it requires comparison to know if something is normal or not, meaning we need to have some understanding as to the meaning and standards of normal, and then something from which to compare. If we have nothing from which to compare, then to know the meaning of normal isn't possible. Strangely, without good comparison tools, even understanding abnormal isn't possible. If everyone is abnormal around you, then abnormal becomes normal. If I ask the same 100 people above to tell me what normal means when they are comparing their lives to whatever is normal, many would not be able to answer. One of the main problems with normality is that for most people, it is kind of difficult to define. And we usually don't ask someone, what is your normal? Most people would not say that they are striving for normality. What they might say is, once my illness is gone, I'll feel better. Once I'm finally divorced, I'll feel different. Once I'm rich, I will be fulfilled. Once I have achieved my personal goals, I will feel personal satisfaction. So normal takes on a different meaning when we talk about it. When we look at feeling normal, as a change of feelings brought about by some type of activity. We generally don't even call it striving for normality. We typically call it seeking for happiness. Now, society does a reasonable job of telling us what is important and what will make us happy. Test scores, personal ratings, beauty standards, celebrity personas, community laws and enforcement, and so many other ways. Society does its best to define the standards of happiness and normality. But in the process, and because society has no real foundation for their definitions, 
we do not find a consistent model or even a reasonable model for happiness in the world. In fact, we find in society that definitions of happiness range from one end of the cultural spectrum to the other. In addition to the range, the rapid change of what is considered happiness is ever-increasing, ultimately leading to confusion, disorientation, and in the end, a false narrative about what we should feel, be, and how those feelings should be represented. Today, there is no end to the splintered groups, factions, political persuasions, sexualities, standards, and a host of information forced upon our consciousness by never-ending talking heads of society. The problem with almost every standard, position, peer-forced inclusion in a particular group or society is that they lack a fundamental foundation, fundamental foundational standards from which to draw upon. Thus, because they have no real standard, but moral standards, to which to compare new ideas and theories, they take upon themselves that which is new and that which feels right, more often in a physical sense, not a spiritual one. Then to cover their concerns about shifting priorities and standards, they label their new position as progress towards a greater happiness. Don't get me wrong, not every shift of normality is terrible or bad for society, but many of them are, and they can be dangerous to the soul that is seeking happiness. To be normal, or even feel happy, is not likely to come based on shifting standards created by groups of individuals without knowledge or understanding of the spiritual, and whose ethics shift based on societal pressures. Happiness should not be a progressive, shifting sand dune that when some new wind comes along, literally shifts the entire sand dune to a new location and foundation. To be blown about by every wind of doctrine, as the scripture states, does not lead to feeling normal or happy. In fact, it can truly make feeling normal unachievable. The word doctrine, in this case, when we talked about the doctrine of the world, not being the doctrine of the Savior, but ever-increasing multiplication of words, ideas, and shifting standards, ethics, and morals of a decaying society. I think that you get the idea. When we look for standards, the world doesn't ever settle long enough for normal to exist or even a standard to really stand for very long. So there is a good reason no one ever feels normal or very happy in our current societal trends and guidelines. In fact, you will find that most people who attach themselves to this ever-shifting doctrine of the world are not very happy people. Why? Because they deny the spiritual in their seek for happiness. And no matter what you do or how you change the perspective, Physical or mortal, centered doctrines in almost every circumstance are temporary, and they do not last. Thus, all happiness from these mortal doctrines is going to be temporary and can be considered most of the time pleasure rather than happiness. So one must be ever-evolving upon new ideas to reach new temporary happinesses. Certainly, you can find all types of persons who will tell you that I'm absolutely wrong, and they preach how content and happy they are. But deep down, they are as unsettled as the rough seas. I have found that the more someone tells me or attempts to demonstrate by social media or other means how happy they are in the world's philosophies, the more I find them confused, bewildered, and truly not very happy at all. 
Now, this is not because they don't believe themselves to be happy. It is because they have accepted an alternate version of happiness and normality, and they have convinced themselves that what they have chosen is happiness. Thus, in some ways, to achieve happiness, they have simply redefined it, rather than diligently searched for it. The world and its moral philosophies will never provide for a true lasting happiness or normality. They simply do not possess the foundations to accomplish it, even with all the scientific knowledge we now possess, which, by the way, if you look at it, is very little. So this leaves us with the other side of the coin, the spiritual. If we cannot find normality and happiness in science, philosophies, and traditions, and the cultures of the world, it is because we are not mortal beings. Because we are spiritual beings having a mortal experience, happiness or normality can only exist when we have spiritual foundations from which to build. However, there are many who do not believe in the spiritual. They ignore it because science can't see it with visible light. There is no way to detect the spiritual in a mortal sense. Now, for those of us who have descended into the abyss we call depression, or the fearful dark corner of anxiety, and even those who have climbed the high mountain of mania, we have experienced emotional states that few have ever realized. In so doing, we have been pushed far outside the normal range of emotions and feelings. This extension of our emotions into realms and reaches of the body and mind's capacity causes us to question what we feel, who we are, and in general, we are questioning happiness and normality. Now, as a youth and a young adult, I, like most, I desire to be normal. And like most individuals in their teens and early adulthood who think they know, who suffer with illness, I thought that I had a good, good idea of what normal was. Now, one of my definitions was to have the mental illness symptoms and origins removed. But even after I had experienced some relief, normal did not seem any closer to me. It was, as, it was as if I had shifted from one road to another distant road, but the same distance from normal. What I had desired all of my life up to that point was to feel normal, but the removal of symptoms didn't make me feel any closer to it. That was a strange moment for me, for I had somehow perceived that my symptoms were the only thing keeping me from being happy and normal. As far as I had ever known, I had never felt normal, and so I have struggled understanding what normal and happiness should be and what it should look and feel like. It has taken me at least another decade to really figure it out. The key to normality and happiness has always been calculated by the same equation. Because we are spiritual beings, happiness was defined long before we came to this earth, and just because we now have mortal bodies doesn't mean that the definition of happiness has changed. Happiness or normality in the sense of fulfillment will only come through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It can come in no other way. If you, if you take a step back and truly view celestial life, which is actually a pretty good place to start if you're looking for happiness, you will find something very interesting about happiness or normality in the spiritual sense. Celestial beings are engaged in service all the time. Their sole purpose is to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man and creation. Because of agency, knowledge, understanding, and our ability to choose, celestial beings must work under 
a specific set of rules and standards. These standards require sacrifice. Now, not the kind of sacrifice you're thinking. Celestial beings sacrifice all their time, materials, and truly their lives to educating and encouraging spiritual identities to adhere to celestial principles. Our Father in Heaven is not amassing worlds of gold and goods for Himself. Everything He does possess is given to His children and the other spiritual beings under His responsibility. While He holds the highest priesthood calling of Father in Heaven, He does not use His authority to force, coerce, or bring souls back to celestial endowment simply to count the number of saved children as some type of God games or comparison to other gods. Celestial happiness, which is the greatest of all, is not obtained by numbers of saved children, worlds without number, granite polished palaces, or golden paved roads. Happiness is found in the effort to bring to pass the greatest happiness for all creation. His happiness is found in our happiness to become like him, and in turn sacrifice our lives for the happiness of others. Celestial life is not the aggregation of precious metals or worlds without end, or really anything to do with the physical mortal worlds. Happiness is found in creation, or the spiritual, and to endow that spirit with life. Now, having said all that, and what happiness entails, let's talk a little bit about how we go, how we go about happiness or normality in the terms of having a mental illness. Now, if we look at the commandments of the scriptures, Every command's purpose is to bring to pass the eternal life of man and to lead him to celestial life. Thus, by keeping commandments, we're participating in the processes of endowing celestial life upon ourselves and actually upon others. Nearly every command requires some type of sacrifice of ourselves in some form of time or effort or monetary means. Happiness, therefore, is really found in learning to sacrifice and become like the Savior and our Father, or really all of celestial life. As we climb through the mortal muck and misery towards a more spiritual approach to life, we obtain greater light to our souls. Light, spiritual light, is an energy. It is spiritual energy, and it comes to us through learning and obedience by the Spirit. The more of this light we receive, the greater our happiness, and the more normal we will feel. Now let's talk about mental illness. I realize that through my own experience that mental illness has a strong tendency to make us look to the mortal and ignore the spiritual. When the spiritual communications come as feelings, and those feelings are intermixed with those of mental illness, hearing and obeying become just that much more difficult. The light we receive is often obscured by our own feelings of defeat, depression, anxiety, inadequateness, and worthlessness. Obtaining that light requires that we are able to hear it and able to follow it. And mental illness makes both fairly impossible. We then seek for happiness we can find. And often it has more of the flavor of the world than of the spiritual. In some cases, seeking out the help with psychological problems through medications and appropriate psychology is actually helpful to our illness as it can peel back some of those difficult episodes and allow a greater opportunity to listen to the Spirit. But beyond those things that are helpful, there lie a host of things that will only bring a short respite of pain and suffering. I, 
fully understand that when the suffering gets intense, that it can be easy to reach for the easiest, easiest, easiest obtained mortal solutions. Intense pain causes our brains to go into what we would call a survival mode. And things we might never have considered may seem more reasonable. It can be almost impossible to see beyond just the next few hours, much less the next week, month, or even year. Our happiness is dependent upon that spiritual light, and pain seems to dim the spiritual senses. We can feel truly broken and unable to escape the mortal trappings around us. There is nothing wrong with feeling broken when it comes to mental illness. There is nothing wrong with seeking for normality and happiness. But when you seek it, you must define happiness in the right way for it to be happiness and for it to last and be true. Seeking the Lord and the spiritual light brought through the Spirit is made far more difficult with mental illness. That is simply true and is unlikely to change. But when you seek true happiness and a more normal life through the Savior, the Gospel, the spiritual is the only way. That is true even when the path is dimmed and darkened and we might only be able to see the next step. And it is true even when we sometimes have to step into the dark for the path to be revealed. The one thing that I have struggled with most during the darkest days of my mental illness was to understand the real source of happiness. I wanted happiness to be easier than it was. I thought that happiness or being normal was the absence of illness rather than the energy that flows from the spiritual. I wanted it to be a medication, exercise, my diet, a change in my mental processes. And while those things were helpful, they were only a means towards allowing for the spiritual to be more present in my life. I don't think I saw that then, but as I have to come to more fully understand true happiness, spiritual light, and the atonement of the Savior, I have found much greater happiness, even when my spiritual life has been dimmed by my body's chemical processes. May the Lord, in His mercy, bless you in your efforts to now find normality and happiness. And may you do your part so that the Lord can do His.